0: Oh, the horn. Don't. And everything that we do every day, we want to be a champ. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. so play so far. Everything with an attitude. Alabama. I don't give a shit who we're playing. I don't get in play against And make a ass play. That's our trademark. That's our M.O. with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. you the tide, honey
1: badger. I- Hello and welcome
0: to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. You got Dave riding solo today. Uh, Tom is out doing the uh, holiday extravaganza. And I'm going to tell you what, when the Havards pack it up and they go on their Thanksgiving, sort of an annual Thanksgiving uh, trip, uh, it is like the Griswolds come to life. The uh, sort of the planes, trains, automobiles, nature of where they go, how they get there. It is quite something to behold, and so as a result of that, uh, he is knee deep in traveling somewhere along the eastern seaboard and uh, not available to do a recording. So you're stuck with just me today. But I'm going to give my boy props. Uh, in fact, we're going to call him Nostra Thomas today. Uh, Tom predicted that we would uh, break sixty against Western Carolina, and so scoring sixty-six to three. Uh, certainly fits that bill, and then uh, Tom predicted that uh, Mac Jones would throw for 300 yards, and you know 300 certainly a milestone number. But Mac going 10 of 12 for 275, three touchdowns. Uh, that's pretty darn close, uh, and certainly pretty darn impressive given uh, all the ink spilled over uh, how Mac would play in that game uh, as is the full-time starter. Uh, also, I'll give sort of props to uh, Eric, a guy that we sit with. At the game, we were talking a little bit, spitballing. And, uh, you know, he asked the question, Hey, what's our best two games this season? What's Alabama's best two games, uh, sort of front to back, full game? And I landed on Arkansas in the Western Carolina game. And ironically, uh, those are two games started by Mac Jones. And so, in no way uh, is that interpreted as Mac Jones being better than Tua. But, you know, it makes me wonder, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. Is that a representation of the team rallying together? You see this in basketball where there's a star player and a lot of the rest of the team will will stand around and watch the star. You take the star out and everyone contributes and it's almost a little addition by subtraction. I am not landing on that conclusion. I just think it's an interesting observation. Uh, and then I certainly wouldn't discount the fact. I wouldn't discount the fact that. Um, Arkansas and Western Carolina are probably the two weakest teams on the opponent uh, that we've played. And so that's something to think about as well. Uh, if you were to merge two games and you were to take the second half of LSU in the first half, or at least the first you know, 25 minutes of the Mississippi State game, that's almost a full game there that's uh, that's pretty robust as well. And certainly uh, Alabama played in, in that sort of composite game, uh, played very, very well up until the point of uh, to his injury. It was great to see Tua back in the stadium, uh, albeit sort of riding a golf cart. But uh, it was exciting to, to see the fans sort of celebrate him. Uh, and then when Talia came in and Talia uh, had, a, had a, a pretty good showing himself, it was good to see that as an outlet for uh, appreciation for the tunglavoa family. And so that's uh, that was certainly nice to see and enjoy. It was a sparse crowd. Uh, I think the Thanksgiving, I think the weather, the cold, the rain – uh, I think there were the opponent I think there were a number of factors that went into that but it was but it was a good hearty crowd um, i I think it was a little i i i was uh, on Facebook making comments about uh, the 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 mountain west uh watching a game uh over some drinks uh late friday night and i think some of that came back to haunt me because we got a cold cold sparse game uh in, in Tuscaloosa so I had some Facebook jokes on that. If you want to participate that on that on a go forward like us uh on Facebook and you get all that sort of fun stuff as well. But Mac Jones, uh you know 10 of 12, 275 and he finished the game with seven uh seven straight uh completions that's really nice. I don't know that in his limited window, and that's all that he was going to get is a limited window against this opponent. Uh, He executed very well. He was mostly on script, and uh, I don't think you could ask for anything more coming out of Mac Jones. Talking about some of the offensive weapons, Devonta Smith, if he's not the best underrated player that we've ever had, then I I don't know who is. Uh, If he were the... Receiver without the rugs and the waddle and the and the Jerry Judy, then you know people would consider him an all time great. And I'm 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 starting to lean that way. Uh, He has had game winners. I think of the national championship game, but also earlier that season against Mississippi State. And this season he has had two 200 yard games, which is just amazing. And so uh, he did not disappoint against Western Carolina on his first touchdown. The sort of the crossover move, I'll use a basketball analogy again, the crossover move, the ankle, the ankles that he broke on those two defenders, and then from essentially a stop to redirect, restart, and then outrun secondary players uh, for a long touchdown was just uh, phenomenal. Jerry Judy had an incredible block on that play, uh, but it was, uh, we kind of kidded in the stands that Judy said, I'll get this one and you get the other guys. And Devonta sort of Batmaned uh, his way to a touchdown there. It was just an incredible play on his second touchdown, uh, and, and I almost want to go back and see if it was the same defender in his second touchdown, which was thrown by Talia. It looked like the, the defender did not close out to the sideline. It looked like uh, it, it looked like Devonta was gonna make the move back inside, like he did for the first touchdown. But the defender didn't close out to the sideline, force him back inside, uh, where there where there might be help. Uh, and so Devonta just lowered his head and 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 accelerated down the sideline. And so I thought that was interesting to see the juxtapos- juxtaposition there. Makes me wonder if that defender on the second wasn't one of the ones that got abused uh, on the first touchdown. Waddle just looked athletically superior to everyone. Uh, his three catches for 101 yards, and we'll talk about his special team returns but you know he had almost another 100 yards uh and almost another touchdown uh over there uh he had a play where just down the down the sideline uh he just looked like he just willed himself uh to run fast enough to score a touchdown uh just as uh just as the defenders were coming to close out so that was a phenomenal play uh Najee Harris uh didn't didn't have Big yardage totals, but 14 carries for 66 yards, uh, in one reception for a touchdown. Uh, so two touchdowns was just physical. He looked like he had made up his mind that I'm going to go out and just beat these guys up because I know that I can. And, uh, and he ran really physical at the point of attack. And so it's good to see him continue to progress. Uh, I think I saw a stat where Najee Harris is the first player in the SEC in the last 20 years to have. A touchdown reception and a touchdown carry in three three consecutive games, and so that's twenty years in the SEC. That's pretty darn uh, impressive. And it seems like every week he has another sort of that type of stat uh, as he continues to can uh, you know evolve and progress and just elevate his game. Uh, and and certainly it's something we'll need to lean on as as we get uh, you know sort of the the rest of the games that we have on the schedule. I was a little bit surprised to see B Rob only have four carries. I know that he had a fumble near the goal line. Uh, he also had a touchdown on another uh, run near the goal line. Four carries compared to Najee's 14. Uh, I, had, I had kind of predicted that uh, that Brian Robinson might get more carries than Najee as, as we sort of you know tried to shift the load. I don't know if there was an injury situation uh, that wasn't disclosed. I don't know if it was just the fumble and we put him on the bench. Uh, I don't know if he was, you know, working union, and so I scored my touchdown. I'm done. Uh, I don't know what it was, but uh, that'll be an interesting thing to see how he comes out against Auburn and what sort of ratio of of reps and participation that he gets, because uh, I think we will need the two-headed monster at the running back position. Uh, Keelan Robinson, uh, and, you know, when he came in, I knew early on that his speed wouldn't be contained. That he was that that if he could catch a corner or if he could catch a move. That he was going to score a touchdown. Uh, it's just his speed and and hindsight twenty twenty. I know it's easy to sort of accuse me of that, but if you watched him play and especially live, watched his move, watched his acceleration relative to the 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 opponent, you could just flat tell that he was athletically superior, especially he's our third running back in there. There's a lot of rotations later in the game. Uh, they're making rotations too. Uh, the, the gap between his athleticism and the opponent's athleticism, you could just tell that he was going to break a run. And so he had eight carries for 92 yards uh, and uh, one long uh, 46-yard touchdown. Zero passes to the tight end. I was a little surprised about that. I was hoping Jaleel Billinsley would get more uh, active in the game. And then no Henry Ruggs, uh, so we put up uh, an offensive explosion uh, without Ruggs. And so find another – when everyone talks about, you know, receiving core, who's the best receiving core, uh, Henry Ruggs is going to be one of the top receivers chosen in an NFL draft. I think this is a deep draft for NFL – or for receivers. And so our guys may not go, you know, top 10, because why do you spend a top 10 pick on a receiver when you can get – you know, uh, a quality receiver later, and so I think that's going to push down some of the top, top guys, but one of the top guys chosen will be Henry Ruggs, and to think that Alabama could have this offensive explosion with Henry Ruggs not participating, not in uniform, uh, teams can't do that, and uh, Alabama does. The offensive line, uh, I thought, performed well, uh, could have played better I think there were a lot of stunts and a lot of inside uh, movement from the catamounts that impacted the offensive line as a whole. I thought the line played well, uh, but if there's anything that's going to give me a little pause is they were effective, uh, the catamounts, effective in stopping the run inside on Alabama and uh, Auburn has a much stronger defensive front. And so that's certainly something uh, to think about. I think the intensity and the level of preparation uh, our offense uh, offensive line will will rise to the occasion there. Late in the game, uh, Alabama uh, had 66 points. Uh, there are four, five, six minutes left on the clock. And I jokingly uh, you know mentioned to the folks sitting around that uh, Coach Saban's biggest challenge yet this season might be keeping the tide from scoring uh, in those last couple of minutes, just the athletic superiority uh, you know with with even with our backups. Uh, against Western Carolina, uh, their backups, just the gap, just got bigger. And no, n- nothing more evident than across the offensive line. We mentioned Keelan, but across the offensive line, uh, Alabama has the backup offensive line. And on that line, it consists of uh, Ikior, uh, who started at, at guard earlier this season, and Matt Womack, who started earlier this season and has been a starter across the offensive front. He's won a national title. Uh, as a starter at Alabama, and he goes a good six, seven, six, eight, three hundred fifty pounds, and so you have to think if you are a if you are a backup reserve defensive lineman for Western Carolina, and you're going in to play the backup at Alabama, and it's Matt Womack, you just have to throw your hands up in the air and say, "I'd, I'd you know what what can I do." And so, with that type of front lined up, um, it, it truly was just run up the middle, run up the middle, run up the middle. We ran a lot of different running backs. Um, again, just run up the middle. Don't make a move. Don't juke. Don't do anything, but just run up the middle. And, and I won't say let them tackle you, but let them tackle you. That is the only reason Alabama did not score. If they had lined up and sort of ran, hey, we're going to bounce it outside. Uh, and, and ran anything that wasn't the equivalent of a fullback dive the running backs would have scored no doubt uh no doubt about it again the disparity across the uh the the fronts and in the talent at the uh the running back uh position Chadarius thomas uh Chadarius Chud- Tom- uh, Chud- Chud- Townsend uh got some run at uh, running back, and he is a you know put him point him in a motion, and and he's going to run full speed. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of a poor man's uh, Kenyon Drake in that regard. Uh, offensive mini game balls. I'm going Judy for his block on Devonta's uh, first touchdown. That was just textbook the way that he laid out his man uh, and allowed uh, Devonta to make his moves. And then uh, I go sentimental sometimes on many game balls. I'm going to Terrell Shavers for his first catch. He has played very well in special teams. Uh, we'll talk about special teams uh, uh, block, uh, almost blocking multiple punts. But um, the fact that he recorded his first catch uh, was certainly impressive and, and glad to see that. Flipping the field to defense you know I think the the headline and really all you need to know about the defensive performance uh, is that Alabama uh, had five turnovers uh, collected five turnovers, four of which were interceptions uh, and they allowed a net of uh, 170 uh, 179 yards. if you want to boil down the cat uh, the catamounts uh, offensive play to a single play uh, you got to take sort of the stat pack play, where the quarterback uh, completed a pass to himself uh, due to a defensive lineman blocking the pass. And then as he runs out, uh, and so he's got a pass, he's got a completion, he's gaining yards, he's tackled, he fumbles and commits a turnover. Uh, and so I think that uh, in terms of futility uh, across the Catamount offense, that that is a pretty representative play there. There were others that were not dissimilar. There was uh, an interception where – uh, uh barmore just absolutely mauled the uh the running back it was a it was a fake handoff and so just right there just collapsed him just quite aggressively uh the quarterback was hit threw off his back uh back, back foot and uh threw an interception and so that's another sort of textbook uh sort of play that uh, multiple defenders performing uh to spec and it having a significant negative impact on uh, Western Carolina offense. Uh, I'll call out a couple of folks. We'll hit some highlights on, on defense. Uh, there were some things we didn't like on defense as well. Uh, but Barmore, Byron Young, and uh, Justin Iboybe, uh four youngsters across the defensive line, each recording a sack. Uh, so that was nice to see. We played multiple other youngsters on the defensive front, and so it was good to see them uh, get some reps. Uh, we are especially pleased that this is an era where where the rule is, you can play in any four games in any four games during the season, not just uh, limited participation in initial games of the season, but any four across the season. Uh, so you take uh, you know uh, Brandon uh, Ingram and uh, 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 I think it's Isaiah shopshire This is some of their first play. I think Ingram has been in two games, shopshire in one. And so the fact that even though it's late in the season, they're still able to redshirt. Uh, I think that's certainly good. That bodes well for the uh, for the defensive front moving forward. They could also get reps in upcoming games, um, which will be good in depth and an opportunity to participate, but then still retain. Um, a year of eligibility. So that's uh, it, count as a redshirt. So that's certainly good. Uh, interceptions and pairs. Um, McKinney uh, had a couple of really nice touchdowns, uh, or I'm sorry, interceptions, one of which he did return uh, for a touchdown. It was a long return. And the way that he caught it and then ran to the sideline in just a quick scan. Uh, of the sideline, you could tell that the blocking was lining up that the, that the defenders coming across didn't have an angle. You know that there was an athletic uh, disparity. Uh, but I think about the 50, uh, maybe the other 40 yard line I was calling house, house, house. He's taking it to the house. Uh, it just it was that obvious that he was going that he was going to return that. And again, the benefit, uh, you can't see that on TV, but in the in the stands and uh, in, in the stadium and he was coming down the sideline closest to where <clears throat> to where we were sitting. And so it was easy to see, oh, this is going to line up. He's going to score uh, a touchdown here. And so, uh, and and in Maiden as well had two interceptions, uh, one off a shot Carter uh, deflection. So it's good to see those guys combining uh, for a big play there. Linebackers and coverage, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that when when we uh, we give a little bit of a preview for the uh, for the Auburn game. Although both, both linebackers played well, both linebackers made plays. Uh, but uh, we, we talk about getting them in coverage a little bit. Uh, of note, uh, Trayvon came out of the game earlier than the rest of the starters on defense and Josh job uh, participated uh, which, which he's a virtual starter and so on one hand I'm o- I'm okay with that. Uh, on the other hand, I was watching Trayvon on the sideline uh, you know why did he rotate out when the rest of the secondary did not And I saw him on the sideline with the defenders. Uh, he looked okay walking around, but he didn't have his helmet with him. And so we knew that his day was over, but we didn't know why. And, uh, you know, even even it's Tuesday morning, even to this point, I don't know why. And so I'm going to presume it's not an injury. I'm going to presume it's just getting depth and rotation in, uh, which is certainly fine. But that's something to take a look at uh, against Auburn. Uh, Daniel Wright got a little more run in the secondary, which that's certainly good to see. Uh, he had four tackles on the, on the day and uh, put him sort of in the upper half of uh, the tackle count uh, across the team. Uh, he's – you can no longer call him a youngster. He's an upperclassman. Uh, but he's a guy that uh, I think will really uh, show out for Alabama next year. He's going to be a guy – you, if you could buy stocks and players, he's a guy that I would, I would put something down on because he's going to come from relative obscurity next year. Now, if you listen to this podcast – then you've heard us talk about him. But think about just, you know, your casual fan that they know McKinney and they maybe know Trayvon and they maybe know some of the players. They don't know Daniel Wright. And Daniel Wright's a guy that's going to just sort of burst on the scene next year, probably have four or five interceptions, uh, probably return one of them for an interception or for a touchdown. And just he's going to make explosive plays like that next year. And, uh, again, if he were a stock, I would buy in. Because uh, I think that he's going to, you know, sort of come from nowhere uh, next season. You know, I think, uh, you know, we'll talk about, you know, we gave up yardage. We gave up plays. Uh, some of it was linebackers and coverage. Some of it was short passing. Uh, I'll really sort of spend another minute on that uh, talking about Auburn. But, uh, you know, we saw more of that against Western Carolina than we would have liked. Uh, but the net is that they were never really a threat um, you know, never really a threat to score and uh, certainly never really a threat to um, you know, to win the game. And so if there they're always gonna be a soft spot in the zone, there's always gonna be a little bit of a crease and the the opposing coach and the opposing players, you know, uh I guess coaches getting paid, I need to separate that out. The opposing opposing coaches are getting paid and the opposing, you know, players are on scholarship. Um they have some level of of capability, and the fact that they were able to find some soft spots is not altogether a surprise. But uh, probably, definitely, some things uh, that the defense needs to work on there. Uh, for mini game ball, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna call out two guys again. Uh, I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go again, more of a sentimental pick, but I'm gonna go Jared Maiden. Uh, you know, four tackles, uh, two interceptions. He he is a he has been an underrated guy in in terms of. You know, he was a bench guy for for a while, uh, special teams. He was depth um, for a while, and last year he sort of broke on the broke on the scene as uh, the dime back, and then this year more as a as a full time participant, a full time starter. And so, it reminds me almost of a Robert Lester, a guy that's kind of hung around, hung around, hung around, and then later in his career really evolved into uh, a starting role. And I and, and I think Maiden even progressed further than than Lester did although Lester did have that one season with he just seemed like he was intercepting everything. Uh, but nonetheless, Jared Maiden, uh, a guy that has stuck around, uh, participated uh, as a senior, and then has an opportunity to really sort of burst on the burst on the scene. And so he has done that this season, and certainly on senior day, he did not disappoint uh, with a pair of interceptions. So not, uh, cap nod to uh, Maiden. And then uh, similar, uh, but maybe at a, at a lower sort of level, uh, watermark, if you will, I'd go to Vita, uh Masika. He had three tackles, uh, one for a loss on the day, and he participated. Uh, I think he was a starter against Western Carolina. I think that's going to be his first start. As this season has gone on, he has found himself playing more and more earlier and earlier in games. Uh, we mentioned against LSU, obviously a critical game uh he participated in the first quarter and so he was uh, a material part of the rotation and here's a guy that last year did not play a whole lot uh was certainly uh was certainly depth last year and uh he has sort of kicked it up uh, a notch and um and is a material part of the rotation so hats off to Tavita and his day his day and again uh another stout uh performance from a senior on senior day so that's certainly good uh, special teams. Uh, you know, I thought Joseph Bulos was going to get a usage injury uh, at some point. He was nine for nine on PATs. Uh, he had one field goal for twenty nine yards, and then with all of the kickoff duties, he uh, he he definitely definitely uh, put his time in on Saturday. Uh, nine for nine on PATs. That's probably his longest stretch of hitting uh, PATs. I don't I don't think he missed any last week as well and so he's setting some new records there. Uh, I'll give another ca- uh, uh, cap tip to Eric. He made the comment that, you know, he's he's made nine for nine, but some of them look like kick-for-tuition uh, kicks because they were uh, line drives, but they were going through, and so that's, um, uh, you know, we'll absolutely take that. Ty P. Ryan, man, I want to get on him uh, for his shank, but then, uh, and certainly, all right, that's legit, right? He had a 33-yard uh, shank. But then I I just almost want to pause and say, wait a second. His shank is a representation of how good he is. And so he clearly had a poor kick and it went 33 yards. We've had games this season with other punters who have averaged below 40. Uh, I think we had a game where the punter, Uh, had three or four punts, two or three or four punts, and averaged um, 36. And then we had uh, another game where same said punter was south of 20 or was south of 30, averaging multiple kicks. And then just be realistic, we had – was it Lane Bearden? Am I remembering the right guy? I don't think it is. Cade Foster is who I'm thinking about. He averaged 39 for the season. And so – 33 is certainly less than 39 but you start thinking about neighborhoods of performance um, and that was his shank um it, there's some interesting sort of thought exercise uh clearly we want him to get out there and hit north of 45 and that's what we've been seeing from him and we want more of that uh but i started to think about that that shank in in a larger context and you know um it's not as bad as it's not as bad as what we've seen uh, Ali Keho and Terrell uh, Shavers, man, I thought they were going to block some points. They were just so close so many times. You could almost just you, – your ear got expectant to hear the thud of uh, of a blocked kick. They were just so darn close. I, you know, I'd like to see a camera angle just to, to see exactly how close. Uh, maybe I need to go back and look at the, the DVR version of the game and just see how close they were because there were three or four uh, times where – it just it to the naked eye in the stands, 49 rows up. Boy, it looked like they were gonna get it. And um and and they didn't. Uh, but I like the fact that they're they were that close, and then that's something else that the future the future teams have to think about that just so consistently they can get that close. Uh, and so that was something to see. Jalen Waddle, just another big day. Uh my my memory recalled him returning a punt for a touchdown, and I just think that's because the 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 victory was so uh, dominating in every facet that I just assumed we had a punt return for a touchdown. Uh ESPN wouldn't show it to me. Thought I read an article though that did mention he had had one. So um, I find myself a little confused on that. But nonetheless, uh, you know, he had three or four returns, uh 80, you know, 87 uh, total yards uh in return. And so you add that to his 101 in, um, offense receiving. And so, you know, he was up near two for the day, uh, just a phenomenally, uh, productive day by Jalen Waddle. So, um, dominating performance by Alabama, every phase of the game, exactly what we needed to see. Uh, yes, it was Western Carolina. Of course, I don't take anything uh, away from that, that truth, but you gotta go do it. You have to do it against the team that you're playing. And to put up 66 points easily could have been over 70 easily, and to hold them to three. I don't begrudge them kicking a field goal. Zero looks better, uh, but I don't. I don't begrudge you know their coach kicking that field goal. They're bringing their team in. They're getting their asses handed to them all day long. They have a losing record on the season, and if they can kick a field goal and score three points against Alabama, then that is something that they can take with them. And uh, maybe I'm just getting soft in my as I get older, but uh, I don't begrudge them that that, that sort of <laughs> cheap three points. Um, uh, nonetheless, uh, but again, a dominated performance. I think it'll be something I'm recording earlier on Tuesday. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what the committee does tonight uh, with Georgia showing against uh, A&M. They did not look good against AM. They easily could have lost that game against AM. There are a couple of pen- penalties that were not called. Um, and it just a just looked atrocious. Uh, Georgia should have just whipped the tar out of them because uh, a and just looked crappy. Um, and, and, and so you look at co- common opponent, us and A&M, uh, uh, a and in South Carolina. Uh, I think there's potentially an opportunity that we leap Georgia. I don't think it happens, but I think there's an opportunity. And certainly seeing Oregon lose uh, was a nice to see. And so that keep, creates a little sort of separation on the back end. What we need to do is now become Oregon fans and root for them to knock off Utah to create some more separation on the back end. You know, Georgia and LSU are going to, you know, we need LSU to win that game, not Georgia, because I don't think I don't think Georgia could knock LSU out. But LSU can knock Georgia out. And so we could hurdle uh, Georgia in that regard. And then then you start to look at, well, the comparison of Oklahoma and Alabama. What is that? What does that look like? Oklahoma's loss and Tom and I talked about this, uh, you know, the other night, just when we were talking about, uh, we were meeting up on when we could record and we just didn't line up, but we had, you know, some conversation around Oklahoma. And I think we both sort of landed on, even as a conference champ, a conference champ with a loss, uh, they were getting just smacked around by Baylor and they lost to Kent state. And that's one of those ugly losses that it's hard to sort of wash that out of your mouth. Um, Ohio State has had a couple of those that have kept them out of the playoffs. I think last year to Purdue, and there was another one a year or so ago. I can't remember who it was. It was that level of nondescript team. And so did it, it Did did Oklahoma get that type of treatment with the loss to Kansas State and the struggle they had against Baylor? And I think they, they've struggled with another team. Obviously, we can re- root for Okie State to to knock them off, and then we can root for Baylor to – to make them look bad in the, in the big 12 championship, all of those things we could root for. Um, but I think it comes down to, and so this is my setup and segue. It comes down to the Auburn game and how telling is it that so many times it comes down to the Auburn game with, you know, obviously these two teams and these two rivals, I think if Alabama puts a number up, Look, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. I'm not even sure that I'm predicting it, but if Alabama puts a number up against Auburn, then Alabama's in. I don't know if, and in a number, you know, you know, 40 to 14 kind of game. Now, I don't know if that happens. And I'm not even predicting that game. I'm predicting, you know, a closer, closer game, 24 to to thirteen or or something like that, and is that enough of a separation to automatically get Alabama in? I don't know, but if Alabama puts up a number, then then I think Alabama's in, and so that's the incentive, that's the motivation across the team, across the coaching staff. So that'll be the big thing to sort of watch is is uh, how aggressively do we go f- for that type of uh, that type of showing. And, uh, I think we'll, you know, that'll be something to sort of pulse check throughout the game, but I do think Auburn presents challenges for Alabama. Um, and so I'm not discounting them in, in any regard. They have the, they are, as coach says, one of the best teams that we've played this season, which is part of our conundrum from a scheduling standpoint. Um, they do have sort of the cheesy, uh, attack that, that they run and the little sugar huddle thing. If, if. Um, I'm going to, I, you know, I'll say two things, right. Don't sit down to watch this game, like with a plate of food and expect that, you know, you're not going to get an upset stomach. This is sit down and watch the game. Don't focus on, on, on anything else. Cause they're going to do some things, especially things early. And just the thought of having a plate of food, you know, <laughs> digesting as that happens. I don't, I won't know part of that. And then, uh, if you were to play a drinking game with CBS saying sugar huddle, huddle, then you know prepared to just get you know trashed because that because they're going to do that they're going to come out with that and and we have to understand why right we are vulnerable in the middle we're vulnerable with our linebackers we're vulnerable with them in coverage and you know, we're vulnerable with their youth and their assignment and so think about what the quick huddle does I'm not even going to call it the sugar huddle uh think about what the quick huddle does it allows you to run up to the line of scrimmage and run a play and you can, and you can do sort of odd formations or unusual formations and not give the defense time to react. And so you can stack a formation one way and then just run a play before the defense has a chance to sort of survey and, and line up. And so the, the, this is the offense, not where's the Mike linebacker. Now let's adjust. It is the offense dictating the terms. We don't care about where you're, where your mic is because we're going to line up in a way in a way that if he lines up where he's supposed to be he's supposed to be he's going to be out of position because of the way we've lined up so it's often sort of dictating the terms not just the pace but the formation as well and creating those sorts of mismatches and so look for Auburn to do a lot of that if I were Auburn that's what I would do I would want to take advantage of the youth and especially at the middle linebacker position, not to pick on those guys, but it is what it is. Uh, and so look for Alabama to run schemes and formations on, on in the defense that account for that, to, for, that account for those gaps. However people, uh, you know, line up, uh, the tide will have some success with that and will struggle with that uh, at times. But watch for, you know, the Auburn H-backs, tight ends, running backs to pick on uh, the linebackers, get them in coverage. Uh, we've also seen against LSU where Auburn ran seven defensive backs, and so look for that type of uh, of formation where there's an extra secondary guy. See if they can't mess with uh, Mac Jones's eyes a little bit, and so we'll see how uh, that is practiced, how that simulated, and this week, and uh, how Mac is able to to respond to that. What Alabama needs to do is focus, especially early on, in getting reps on Auburn's defense. We need to. If we go five and out, that's going to be better than a three and out. If we get six and a miss, you know, six possessions, six plays, and a missed field goal, that's better than than a three and out. And we need to we need to track this game at that at that more that micro level. What's the time of possession, you know, across the first quarter? How many plays is the Alabama offense putting on uh, Auburn's defensive front? Auburn does not have the depth, uh, but they're top tier. Is really really good. They have NFL talent across their front, and so how how can we impact the defensive, of the Auburn uh, defensive front? That's where uh, we need to watch the game early, take shots, let's try to score points. I agree with all of that, but watch for the game uh, within the game because I think not winner lo- you know obviously losing Alabama's out of the playoffs. It's that's that's pretty straightforward, but the nature. So we're picking an Alabama win. The nature of the win will determine whether or not Alabama gets into the playoffs, uh, unless just anarchy breaks out and a whole bunch of teams lose and Alabama's sitting there at 11-1. If we're at 11-1 and we win this game by three points, that's going to look very different than 11-1 and we win this team by 14, uh, 17 points. And that's obviously it's what we want, but that's what we need to sort of track towards and watch and see how we're doing it. And I think it's gonna be putting reps across the front. It's gonna be attacking outside. and it's gonna be managing Auburn's uh, quick huddle with uh, you know you know an array. Of uh, formations across the secondary, so that's that's some prediction there. Uh, I'm going to go out and and I, and I think I said it's a 24 to 13 type game, so that's an 11 point margin, and so I am planning myself sort of firmly in that in that gray area. Uh, that's probably not enough to definitively put Alabama in, uh, but it's enough uh, with you know Mac as a quarterback, and especially if we do that and he plays well, it's enough to put. Uh, enough question or doubt in the committee's mind to say this Alabama team still has it. They're not just one guy with Tua. Uh, this is a team with a quarterback uh, that that can drive uh, the offense, and so this is a team worthy of making the playoffs. That's the showing that we need to have, and and um, you know, hopefully, we see that from Alabama. All right, I am officially late for a work meeting, so I need, to, uh, I need to drop here. But I do want to wish everyone a very happy Thanksgiving. Uh, hopefully you're spending time uh, traveling safely and with family and friends and uh, hopefully uh, doing the same on Saturday as we watch Alabama uh, hopefully thump uh, the Auburn Tigers. And with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, coach? Aye. Of course, roll tide.